Welcome to the YA Cafe, where we share conversations about books for teachers, readers, and caffeine addicts everywhere. On today's episode, we'll be talking about No Normal, Ms. Marvel Volume 1 by G. Willow Wilson. Grab a mug of your favorite beverage, friends, and let's talk books. Welcome, y'all. As always, our first segment will be spoiler-free, and so you can stick around even if you haven't checked out this comic book yet. I'm Amanda Thrasher. And I'm Danielle Hall, an 8th and ninth grade English teacher, and I blog at teachnouvelle.com. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Danielle. It's our 50th episode. What? Yeah! I had no idea. That's exciting. Oh my gosh, we've read so many things. We have read so many things, and it's kind of cool that this is like our 50th episode, because of course this comic book came out before we had a podcast, but... I feel like it was such a significant read in terms of like, wow, we need so many like awesome, diverse stories in our lives. And this is exactly what we've been waiting for, except that that was two years ago. So like, it's cool to be able to talk about it now. Yeah. So we're talking about it now for like a few reasons, but we do have superheroes on the brain. So there's, of course, the Captain Marvel movie out, which is a different superhero, but like related, involved. Yes, we can go into that more. We will go into that more. Uh, <laughs> the Avengers Endgame movie is coming out soon, and that's also part of this universe. And I recently wrote a blog post advocating for incorporating superhero stories into the American literature curriculum. So That is the hype release of the summer. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Avengers Endgame. It's the Teach Novelle blog. Teaching superheroes. <laughs> no, but I think it's a really cool opportunity to teach about the American dream and American identity through superheroes. So Ms. Marvel just fits. Definitely. Kamala Khan is your average Pakistani-American teenager living in Jersey City. She feels her parents' expectations of her are too strict when she's shown them time and time again that she's a good, trustworthy daughter. When she decides to ignore their wishes and sneak out to a party, she and the other partygoers are enveloped in a strange green mist. Kamala finds herself with new, unruly, transmorphic powers. Can she use her powers to emulate her favorite superheroes fighting for justice and good to prevail? Will her parents find out and ground her forever? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I know it's a little bit silly. I wrote it to be silly, but I wanted to underscore the fact that, like Peter Parker, she has this additional complication to being a superhero, which is that she lives in her parents' house and, like, has to play by the rules. Well, I think it's great because it's a really good, lighthearted comic book. There's some very serious comic books with very serious weighty justice blah blah blahs and that is not kamala khan kamala khan is just here to nerd out over her favorite superheroes she writes fanfic she writes fanfic she tries to do the right thing she's wonderful she's like such a breath of fresh air especially i think if you are in the comic space where we're in now where like the marvel movies some of them are super serious like avengers infinity war was really dark all the DC movies tend to be very dark. And then you've got Kamala, who is uh, kicking around, just being just this bright, shining force for good. And I think that she's really good. I think that anybody who likes Spider-Man Homecoming would love No Normal. Yes, absolutely. So G. Willow Wilson calls Kamala Khan a paladin type. So the quest for good is black and white. That's the like 
nobility drive there, except that, of course, like good and evil exist on a gray spectrum in the world and the world is complex. And it's interesting to have like a teenager taking on that fight because teenagers are already learning to live in a gray world and like developing their sense of right and wrong and justice. And so it's like it's such a cool thing to have a teenage superhero. I think that that is just so perfect. And you're right that the tenor of Kamala Khan really reminded me of Spider-Man Homecoming. And that is where I want to live with my superheroes, right? In that little squishy place. Yeah, I mean, they can have their dark night brooding around. (laughs) And Kamala can just be shiny. (laughs) Yes. So we start with her normal life, right? Like, this is no normal. So eventually her normal goes away. But at the beginning, we have her normal life. She has a great family. Her family is Pakistani-American and Muslim. She has a brother, Amir, who is very devout. And her father says that Amir is very devout in order to avoid getting a job. (laughs) And I I thought that was very funny. Um, You know, Muslims aren't monolithic, like have varying levels of religiosity. And we see that not only from Kamala's brother, but also her friends. Like her best friend is also Muslim and she wears a hijab. And Kamala doesn't, but, you know, she still keeps halal, but she doesn't want to because she stands there and smells the bacon desperately. (laughs) Uh, But all that is at the beginning of the story where Kamala is still trying to figure out how her identity fits into her life, like how she can be the normal American teenager that she feels like she is while also having, she says, like, weird holidays and like this weird religious family and trying to be just a normal girl from Jersey City while dealing with trying to pinpoint her identity and who she is. So her powers figure into that perfectly because it's the shape-shifting abilities that she has. Uh, Her powers are a metaphor. All superpowers are a metaphor, Danny. Get on board. (laughs) (laughs) And she is teased by, like, the popular girl for smelling like curry and, like, she just wants to wear a bikini and, yeah. So she is in an identity crisis at the beginning, trying to find herself and instead find some new superpowers, which we can go into in the spoiler section. Um, Before we leave the idea of her family and her cultural heritage... I did want to acknowledge that I loved the presentation of Urdu in these panels. So her family does some code switching and they use Urdu in and out of their English. And the translations are kind of in Kamala's voice. You know, they'll say things like, she calls me that sometimes. It means darling daughter or whatever. And it's in a box in the like the lower part of the panel. And I thought that that was really well done because I imagine it was unobtrusive for Urdu speakers and it was unobtrusive for me too. But I still like had the explanatory comma if I needed it. Yeah, I also liked the way that the the poetry was in there. It was in there in the original language and then it was also in there in the English version in the moment when she's having her transformative vision or whatever. So a similar kind of thing. Like it, it was seamless how it was in there. Like it was honoring its original form and giving away for English speaking audience to experience it too. Yeah, man. I just, I really enjoyed this. Okay. So like 
for our listeners. Between the two of us, Amanda is a comic book. What word would you like here, Amanda? Something less than fan, but more than casual reader, I would say. It's hard to feel like you're a comic book fan because there's just so much and like right like i have read some some comic books i've followed some storylines but it is a big big world of the two of us she is more informed more knowledgeable and nerdier (laughs) (laughs) thanks Um, but i like this and i like art and i loved this artwork here which was by adrian alfana and i'm not a guru but I was kind of learning on the job how to read a comic book. And there was this one page, which is so beautiful. I'm not going to go full spoilers here. I'm just going to describe this page. Kamala is climbing up into the next portion of the building. And there's like quite an adventurous climb involved. And so on the left page, you, you of course, you read top to bottom on the left page. And then she starts climbing at the bottom of the right-hand page. And when you look at the page, there's, like, six Kamalas and, like, several speech bubbles because there's someone else on the page with her. But, like, she is climbing up so that you end on the upper right-hand corner because you've just climbed with her. And I just thought that that was such an adventurous way to read. And I really enjoyed that a lot. And I think that students will appreciate that too. It's kind of like a fun out of the boxy thing. Yeah, I think that it's great to give kids a chance to see like ways that you can play around with form and ways that like you can use language to communicate in ways that go outside of the specific grammar rules that all the kids have to learn in the specific this is how books look i think that comic books are a really great avenue to push the boundaries of society and push boundaries of like language communication and story yes so even if you're not a big comics person this one is definitely worth checking out even if you don't feel like comics are for you kamala khan is probably for you she's outstanding yeah and with that friends we'll take our first break when we come back we'll share about things we like a latte then we'll return to our discussion of ms marvel and dig a little deeper hey friends we need your support to keep making this podcast happen One easy way to show your love is to order our book choices through our affiliate links. Up next, we'll be discussing In the Key of Niragani by Natasha Dean. Order this book through the link in our show notes and help us keep bringing you great content. Happy reading! Welcome back, y'all. It's time for Things We Like a Latte. Danielle, what's your brew of choice this week? So... In addition to not being a huge comic book person, I like the movies, but haven't read a lot of comic books. I am kind of ashamed to say that I'm not a big reader of nonfiction, but I do have this goal this year to read 20 nonfiction titles. And so I finished Radium Girls by Kate Moore, and I loved it. I think that part of my problem with nonfiction previously has been like a narrative voice that feels disconnected from historical characters. 
So it doesn't treat them like characters. It treats them like names on a page or whatever. Mm. And Radium Girls, Kate Moore was really focused on telling the story of these girls who painted dials with radium paint during World War One, And of course, like, got radium poisoning and died horrific deaths. And she really humanized this story for me. And I learned a lot and I really enjoyed it. And it was kind of, like, suspenseful because, of course, we have modern knowledge that radium will kill you horrifically. And these girls are, like, painting their nails and, like, putting it on their teeth to go out on the town. And I'm like, ah! Anyway, Radium Girls by Kate Moore. Strongly recommend. How about you, Amanda? What's your brew of choice? Well, I went to see Us this weekend, the new Jordan Peele movie. And it was good, but I loved the soundtrack. The soundtrack to this movie is amazing. It's composed by Michael Abels, who is the same person who composed for Get Out. Which was really great. Yeah, like very, very atmospheric, added a lot to the movie. And I think that the soundtrack to this one is better. The way that he composed it is different than many movies because he actually got the script and had been working on some of the composition before they even started shooting because Jordan Peele wanted to have like some of the themes in his mind. He did some really incredible things with hip hop songs and making them like thematically tie into the whole movie, making it like super creepy. So expertly done. If you like music, even if you don't like scary movies, I recommend That's me. That's Danielle. (laughs) I definitely recommend listening to at least a few of the tracks from the Us soundtrack because it really is a force. Like, I'm really impressed by the soundtrack. Well, I am excited to check that out because I will not be seeing the movie. (laughs) Chicken. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll return to our discussion on Ms. Marvel. The rest of the show will contain spoilers, so if you're leaving us here, keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. We'll be back. Welcome back, y'all, to the YA Cafe. We're continuing our discussion on No Normal, Ms. Marvel, Volume 1, by G. Willow Wilson. If you haven't read this yet, we want to warn you again that this segment will contain spoilers. Spoilers! Yeah. And robots. Yeah, so in the spoiler section, we wanted to talk some about her powers and how this originally manifests in the way that she, like, has these questions about her identity. When she first gets powers... The person that comes to her mind as being a superhero, of course, is Captain Marvel, who is the superheroiest of the superheroes. Carol Danvers has been saving New York all the time, and she is one of the most powerful people in the Marvel universe. So this is who Kamala turns into. Like, she looks like Captain Marvel when she first gets hit by the Terrigen Mist. Yeah, And at the beginning, she can change into other people, but not so much control what goes on with herself. You know, she's got like a practice montage thing happening. And her like first act is to save the popular girl who like only moderately needs saving, whatever. But it's a cool thing. So she's got these powers. Then she meets her nemesis. Dun, dun, dun. Gotta have a good nemesis. The inventor was super creepy. 
He's like a bird guy. No, the bird guy wasn't the inventor. The bird guy was just Thomas Edison. He was just a clone. He's the one that talks to her all the time. Yeah, he is. But he is not her arch nemesis. Her, he escapes at the end. Oh, yeah. Okay. You can't feature arch nemesis in his first appearance, Danny. That's not <laughs> how nemeses work. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was clear to me that, like, even if I misclassified, like, who the inventor was, it was clear to me that, like, her first, you know, her baby bad was the bird guy. Is that right. fair to say? And, yes. And then the, the inventor is the big bad who's going to take, like, multiple seasons or whatever you call them in the comic <laughs> book world to, like, fight. I get it. Yeah. Baby bad, okay. big bad. Yeah. It's, it's baby bad, big bad. Yeah. So she, the bird is the baby bad. And... He's pretty good. He's a good creepy villain. I think it was like a little on the nose with the whole like, they think that teenagers are expendable, but oh we're not. Gosh. Like, <laughs> but I'm willing to give it a pass because there was so much other good stuff going on. Yeah. I liked the creep factor of kids disappearing. I liked the seeing them suspended in the goo, having their energy and life force drained from them. I agree it was a bit like on the nose that... They're worthless, and this is the only way that they can prove their worth or whatever. But I liked that it ended up that they had volunteered to have their life force drained from them instead of, like, they had been kidnapped. I thought that was a good twist. And I think that, like, G. Willow Wilson has in her mind this kind of apocalyptic foreboding that millennials and Gen Y face with, Mm -hmm. like, climate change and... Things like that. So I liked that aspect. Not sure so many kids would like volunteer to die to be a battery. Yeah, probably not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, then they rise up at the end. They just needed someone to believe in them. Yeah. I want to talk about Lockjaw. Puppy. Puppy. <laughs> so Lockjaw is a massive teleporting dog. With a tuning fork on its head for some reason. And she acquires him because he's working for Queen Medusa, who's the ruler of the Inhumans, who blah, all blah, get blah, affected blah, by the Terrigen Mist. Um, <laughs> None of this is important. <laughs> <laughs> it's all important, Danny. It ties into important things in the overall universe. I am here to uh, help us focus the puppy. So Lockjaw's a puppy sent by Queen Medusa to watch... Kamala Khan because she's clearly not going to go hang out with the Inhumans. But I love how his very first appearance is this enormous dog appears with a bow on it and a sign that says, I like hugs. And Kamala is immediately like, this is my dog. I love it forever. It's perfect. Yes. (laughs) And that is another moment where I thought the art was particularly beautiful because you have kind of like Kamala's perspective, Lockjaw bounding towards her in like progressive frames, and then mm-hmm. her looking up at him, like cuddling him. I loved it. And I liked his integration into her house because, of course, her parents are like, You must keep the dog outside. And she's like, I definitely will keep the dog outside. And the dog can teleport. So the dog's like, I'm not staying outside. And then <laughs> there's this part where her dad is like simultaneously like scolding the dog for being inside and like petting it (laughs) (laughs) and it reminded me of you because whenever padfoot does something bad you cannot keep a straight face 
and you just it is not my fault he is too cute (laughs) and I'm powerless and I won't apologize but yeah you mentioned like there's a lot of great humor throughout these books just like in the frames like there's all kinds of little jokes hidden in the background which I caught more on the second read reading it this time than I did the first time it just really helps set this tone of like, this is a fun thing. We're having a fun time. We're learning about ourselves and getting powers and saving the world. Like, I'm here for it. Yeah, absolutely. So we have some of the typical like identity stuff that happens. I love when her parents get a sense that she is not being entirely truthful with them. They send her to the leader, Sheikh Abdullah. And Kamal is like, I don't want to go. He's the worst. He's just going to lecture me. And then he doesn't. And he says, if you insist on pursuing this thing you will not tell me about, do it with courage, strength, honor, compassion, and self-respect. Also, he advises her to get a mentor. And he reminds her that when the student is ready, a master will appear. So that is an awesome encounter. And then... Then Wolverine shows up. Yes. I love this for so many reasons. Wolverine is funny. Like, except in the movie Logan. That is actually a heart-wrenching movie. But other than that, Wolverine is funny. And Kamala is a total fangirl. She's written fic about him. And she's like, it was the second most upvoted. And he was like, what was the first? And I just, he like totally buys into her world, but he's also like cynical and jaded and grumpy and hungry and, you know, whatever. And he is such a great juxtaposition for all of the things that you said earlier that Kamala is, right? She's like a bright and shining light, and Wolverine is like grumpy. <laughs> yeah, he's really playing up the grumpy old manness in this appearance. Yeah, but he is a mentor to her. And. She has these moments where she's like afraid to do things and she hesitates and she's like, but isn't it going to hurt? And he says, yeah, it hurts. It always hurts. You just got to trust yourself to come through it. So he's giving her some sage advice and then they beat up an alligator together. A giant alligator. (laughs) Yeah, those are some cool panels too, fighting the giant alligator. Crocodile? Alligator? I'm pretty sure it was an alligator. It's been quote-unquote invented, so I guess it could be whatever. It was an alligator. Crocodiles have longer snouts. (laughs) This is like part robot, and you're like, oh no, the snout size is like what makes it. Yeah, the snout size is how you determine an alligator from a crocodile. God, (laughs) get it together. And then finally, at the end, Kamala starts coming into her own, and she gets her good, like, hero moralizing in, and she says to the inventor a hero is just somebody who tries to do the right thing even when it's hard there are more of us than you think great job kamala (laughs) she's so great she is so great i really hope that they put her in the marvel cinematic universe somewhere i was wondering if they were leading up to it because they put the inhumans in agents of shield the show but i really i want her to get her own movie i want her to have her own thing going on i would definitely love to see that We don't often, like, call out blog posts right in our episodes, but I do want to remind y'all that I did write a blog post, a pretty epic one, epic, Uh, uh. (laughs) Um, about using superheroes in American literature, 
And in that, I discuss a lot of different ideas and resources to get you started. And so after you listen to this, go read that. You can find the link in our show notes. That's our show for today, friends. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget, next week we're reading In the Key of Niragani by Natasha Dean. Grab this book through the affiliate link in our show notes. And if you're enjoying this show, leave us a review on iTunes. Happy reading! <laughs>